Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Diversion Podcasts. I know that the media... I thought they know by now that I'm going to make my own decisions. You know, my choice. If I, if I want to go to the South, I'm going to the South. If I want to go to Carolina, I'm going to Carolina. If I want to go to Arizona, I'm going to Arizona. There's no question at all. I'm making my own decisions. They know they're born, but right? it's their job to print something. It's just their job. So, nobody really believes they print half of the time. They have to do what they have to do. On a hot Monday afternoon last August, I went back to a place that is very special to me. In fact, it's the place where I first heard the name Kobe Bryant. So I've just parked here at my alma mater, LaSalle University, and I'm heading to the Connolly Library so I can find the very first article I ever wrote about Kobe Bryant. I graduated from LaSalle in 1997. It's a private Catholic university in Philadelphia, a mid-sized university with about 4,000 undergraduates. And I was kind of meant to go there, I think. After all, my father went to LaSalle, and his brother went to LaSalle, and my mom's brother went to LaSalle, and my younger sister went to LaSalle. And while I was there, I spent a lot of my time in a tiny, cramped office in the basement of the Student Union Building, the headquarters of the university's student newspaper, the Collegian. I don't know how many times I've come through this door or left this door late at night back when I was writing for and editing the student paper. It just feels so weird, like all this happened yesterday or it all happened a quarter century ago. I kind of volleyed back and forth between those two feelings. Plus, it's always a little strange to come back here. In some ways, it feels like I haven't graduated. Everything kind of comes rushing back. The campus doesn't look that different from when I was here in the early to mid-90s. And some of the buildings and rooms even smell the same. My freshman year at LaSalle began in the fall of 1993. Another person's tenure at the school began that year, too. Joe Bryant's, Kobe's dad. Speedy Morris, LaSalle's men's basketball coach, had hired Joe as an assistant. And one of the intended byproducts of that move was the belief that Kobe would decide to play college ball there. Actually, for those of us who were connected to LaSalle, it wasn't really belief, it was hope. Who was this kid playing at Lower Marion? Was he that good? Was he as good as his dad had been when Joe played for LaSalle? Was he even better? So yes, I remember the first time I wrote about Kobe. I just don't remember what I wrote. I'm not really looking forward to seeing this article. If there's one thing that I think all writers hate, It's going back and looking at their pieces or stories or whatever they wrote when they were young. I know for me, I was trying so hard to find my voice that what I wrote was really stilted and kind of old-fashioned in a way. So I'm not looking forward at all to seeing what I actually wrote about him. I didn't know much about Kobe then, his background, his personality. 
I just knew he was this tremendous high school basketball player who might end up being a tremendous college basketball player at my college. To find the article, I got in touch with Carol Brigham, whose official title at LaSalle is Associate Dean of Operations and Collections Management, which means she's in charge of a lot of the archival material at the Connolly Library, which means she's in charge of all the back copies of the Collegian. She was waiting for me when I got to the library and went through the front turnstile. I'm sorry. Unless you're Mike. I am Mike. And then I'll say, hi, I'm Carol. Hi, Carol. With the, uh, Yes. can't tell. Uh, very nice to see you. Nice to see you. Thank you for doing this. No, no problem. No problem. Yeah, so I'm here to check out the collisions. You know what it is, too? Your hair is very much different. (laughs) (laughs) Were you here when I was a student here? Oh, yeah. Okay, back in the 90s? Back in the 90s. Yes. Yes, I should have warned you. (laughs) That's okay. Am I allowed to ask, um... Why are you interested in uh, old stuff? Sure. Um, so I have a book coming out in January oh, about Kobe. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm also, which is why I'm here today, doing a podcast. Right. Which right. is going to come out later this year. Okay. And um, as part of it, one of the episodes we're doing is mm-hmm. delving into the possibility that Kobe would have come here. Right. And right. the fact that I was a student and writing for mm-hmm. the Collegian mm-hmm. at the time. So I wanted to dig up. I know this was the first article I ever yeah, yeah. So in front of me, I have about 18 issues of the Collegian from my junior year. And I've got to find the article that I wrote about Kobe. So let's see. This ain't it. And here it is. I found it. Wednesday, December 13th, 1995. And guess what? It is every bit as bad as I feared it would be. I'm Mike Sealski, and from Diversion Podcasts, this is I Am Kobe. I love Episode 5. We Need a Hero. Growing up just outside Philadelphia, I got turned on to Big Five basketball at an early age. The Big Five is an informal association of college teams from Philly, some of the oldest and most successful men's basketball programs in the country. Villanova won the national championship in 1985, just before I turned 10. I can remember watching that incredible upset of Patrick Ewing and the Georgetown Hoyas at home with my mom while my dad was out of town for work. Penn was the Ivy League school that held its own and then some. St. Joe's always had this kind of underdog status, fit for its motto, the hawk will never die. Temple had its wild-eyed genius coach John Chaney. He had his teams play this weird matchup zone defense that nobody could figure out. 
But of course, my team was LaSalle. My family had all those connections to the school, and I'd watch the Explorers games with my dad, including a few at the Palestra, which we talked about previously in this series. Plus, LaSalle, I thought, was the best team in the Big Five to watch. The school had won a national championship in 1954 and had been great in the late 1960s when my dad was a student there. It would traditionally recruit and get one or more of the best players in the city, if not the best. And in the late 1980s, the Explorers coach, Speedy Morris, continued that tradition. Speedy's still around, but he's experienced some health problems in the last few years, including Parkinson's disease. So I spoke to his oldest son, Keith, who played for him at LaSalle and became a high school coach himself. When you think of the Big Five, what comes to mind? Tremendous history, wars. Didn't matter if you were University of Penn having a, a tough season, LaSalle having a tough season. Anybody could beat anybody any given night. Sadness a little bit in that it's not what it was. TV money, uh, conference money obviously ended those palestra doubleheaders and you know you get it there's nothing like it in the country we all know that and uh some great teams great players great coaches and just it's silly it's silly i miss the old days with it to be honest speedy is a philadelphia institution himself grew up in the city got his first coaching job in a cyo league was a great high school coach here for years. One writer in town said that Speedy was as much a part of the fabric of Philadelphia as cheesesteaks dripping agita and soft pretzels flavored with bus exhaust. What a great line. During games and practices, he had a volcanic temper. He'd scream at his players, ball up his sport coat and chuck it in the stands, roll up a game program into a baton and smack a kid in the back of the head with it. He could be tough to play for. I'll give you an idea of what I mean. Andrew Trella grew up in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and was a year behind me at LaSalle. His dad went there too, just like mine. Andrew was six foot four, a really good basketball player, used to destroy me and my team in intramurals. These days, he lives and works just outside Philly and coaches basketball at his local high school. His sophomore year at LaSalle, he tried to make the team as a non-scholarship player, a walk-on, which meant he got an up-close look at Speedy's approach. Here's Andrew. The one thing that really stuck out to me, and it actually has affected me a little bit, I think, in the way I coach my kids at high school, at the high school level, is he, I don't want to badmouth him, but boy, he would curse up a storm. He would just dress kids down and um, just, you know, I, I couldn't believe his mouth. I was like, wow, he's really ripping guys a new one here. So he didn't take any nonsense and I respect that but uh, I certainly have a more kinder gentler approach and maybe less profane approach to coaching than he did but it was like a mile a minute he was he was slaying into people and it wasn't you know PG rated for him it was just kind of a constant riding and deridement and I was like this is kind of uncomfortable Not everybody loved the way Speedy went about things, but man, could he coach offense. When he took over LaSalle's men's program in 1986, the NCAA had just added the three-point shot to college basketball. It didn't take him long to fall in love with it, and he got guys who could shoot. 
Tim Legler, Doug Overton, Randy Woods, and the best of the bunch, the L Train, Lionel Simmons. During the sideline report from 1988, Philly broadcaster Mark Zumoff explains exactly how LaSalle's offense could easily score inside or kick it out to a three-point sniper like Tim Legler and destroy you from deep. Last season, Speedy Morris' team failed to win a single Big Five game. But last year's Big Five Player of the Year has tossed aside that weight in dramatic style. Lionel Simmons has led LaSalle a perfect record so far, stating clearly the Explorers are back. It sets the stage for the But those days were fading away. In 1995, when Kobe was making his rise through the high school ranks, it would have been a miracle for LaSalle to win a national championship, or even sniff one. The school didn't spend much money on its basketball program. It didn't even have an on-campus arena. The team played all its home games at the Palestra or the Philadelphia Civic Center, 20 minutes away from campus. But somehow, the Explorers were a contender to win their conference every year, make the NCAA tournament, and earn some city bragging rights. Here's Keith Morris again, explaining how his dad tried to keep LaSalle competitive. Get those solid Philly players, one or two a year if you can, and build around it was his philosophy. Get them here, and I think one of his greatest attributes was making it known and making guys feel like I'm here for you off the court as well as on the court. It was a family atmosphere for sure. My mother, Mom Morris, as many of them call her, cooked many a spaghetti, lasagna, meatball, dinner for a lot of these guys. Um, so it was a family atmosphere, and that, that, I think, enabled him to coach them hard. The kids knew he had their back off of the court, that he was more than just their coach. Uh, he was a father figure. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Hey, this is Mike Sealski, host and writer of I Am Kobe. This podcast project came out of my work on a related book called The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality. If you want to explore other parts of Kobe's story, check out The Rise. It's not just a book version of the podcast. I dive deeper into some of the topics covered in this series and even some that we don't cover at all. Kobe's upbringing, his family, his identity, his effect on his friends and teammates, his journey into the NBA, and his earliest days with the Lakers. The Rise, Kobe Bryant and the Pursuit of Immortality is out now. Just head over to theriseofkobebook.com and you can buy it from any of your favorite retailers. That's theriseofkobebook.com. Thanks. The first look that Speedy and Keith Morris got at Kobe was during a summer league game, right around the same time that Speedy hired Joe Bryant as an assistant coach. Keith was impressed with the kid. Kobe was uh, raw in that game as a freshman, but you could tell very, very talented. And what nobody realized was the kid's work ethic was just off the charts. And each and every year after, he's getting better and better to the point where 
you know, my dad's LaSalle camps in the summer, you know, they were ages, you know, eight through 17. So, you know, when I attended that camp, there were actually juniors heading into their senior year in high school that attended it. There were some decent players that came. Kobe, I think, stopped coming after maybe 10th grade because he just started, he dominated the camp. He was just, he became that good. It didn't take long for people, especially people around LaSalle, to start to think that maybe, just maybe, Kobe would turn out to be good enough to play for his dad in college someday. Kobe played a ton of pickup games in LaSalle's little sweat box of a practice gym. Andrew Trella got to go up against him a few times, and he could see how much better Kobe was than anybody else in that gym. He had moves where I would go back to the dorm after playing and say to my buddies, like, I don't know how he gets around the court so quickly. I don't know if he's traveling, but he kind of had a game that I was like, it seemed like it was already NBA ready. And maybe he was traveling. Maybe he just had that good footwork that I didn't know how to get in front of him. But he was really adept at getting around the floor, maximizing the two steps that you get in college basketball, I guess. Super competitive kid. The way he got around the floor, I, that's what I really remember. It's kind of, it was very effortless how he could get around the floor. Did you think he might come to LaSalle? If so, why? If not, why not? Oh, yeah. No, I definitely did. So, and this was a running conversation I had with my buddies who I live with was, his dad's here. He could be the second coming of Lionel and really turn the program around. You know, there was a lot of talk at that time. I believe it was Duke was mentioned pretty heavily. I remember hearing a lot about Duke. Um, and then obviously you heard the whispers about the NBA, but I, I guess I just had never been around someone who made that kind of jump to the NBA. And, um, you know, he was still, what, 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, he wasn't physically, he hadn't filled out completely, so. It seemed to me like you know he would be an awesome college player for a couple of years, and the fact that his dad was on campus and helping out with coaching, I was like, yeah, this seems like a great fit. I certainly hoped and thought that you know he would be kind of the next guy to turn the program around. So because he could have walked in and the ball was his. Andrew was on to something back then. Early in his high school career, Kobe was actually open to the idea of going to LaSalle. He was genuinely considering it because he knew he would be a superstar if he went there. Not really, but I thought that LaSalle, LaSalle would probably be a nice spot for me. Why not? I might as well go there for a couple of years and do what I got to do. But as the season Sounded great to us. Kobe could come to LaSalle, stay for a year or two, and dominate. We'd have been cool with that. Heck, we needed him to do that. Thanks to the program's athletic director, Bob Mullen, LaSalle had just changed conferences, moving to the Midwestern Collegiate Conference, which included schools like Detroit Mercy and Illinois Chicago. It was supposed to be an upgrade, better competition, more money. But it was a ridiculous decision. No one from the Philadelphia area wanted to watch basketball games against those schools, and you can be darn sure no Philly area players wanted to go to LaSalle to play against those schools. I mean it. I was there. Nobody showed up. Sitting courtside at the Civic Center for a LaSalle game 
was like being at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. One night, I was sitting courtside on press row, and the Civic Center was practically empty. And a sports writer leaned over to me and said, you know, if you put everybody in this building on the court, no one would get called for three seconds. It was a great line. It stung, but he was right. That clip of a loss from a 1995 matchup between LaSalle and Temple was just one of many examples of the Explorers getting trounced in that era. If LaSalle basketball was going to have any kind of renaissance, it needed Kobe bad, and everyone knew it. So Bob Mullen, the AD, pulled out all the stops. He gave Joe a raise, and he arranged for Kobe's older sister, Shea, who played volleyball at Lower Merion, to get a full athletic scholarship to LaSalle, even though the women's volleyball coach never even met her, let alone recruited her. Through all that, though, Kobe was pretty ambivalent about the idea of becoming an explorer. For example, one of his pickup partners at LaSalle was Larry Kentner, a 6'10 stud at Roman Catholic High School, a Philly basketball powerhouse. Kentner was a year ahead of Kobe in school, and he was thinking about going to LaSalle himself. Kobe told his friend Jeremy Treatman that Kentner basically gave him an ultimatum. If you go, I'll go. And Larry Kentner wasn't the only big time recruit who was considering LaSalle just because of Kobe. Corey Benjamin was a six foot six shooting guard from Compton, California. Kobe met him on the AAU circuit. He'd go on to be a first round draft pick and play three plus seasons in the NBA. Even in retrospect, it sounds too good to be true. Kobe Bryant, Larry Kentner, Corey Benjamin, all at little old LaSalle? Well, guess what? It was too good to be true. Kentner picked UMass. Benjamin ended up going to Oregon State. As for Kobe, he was keeping most of these plans to himself. And even though his dad was in a tough spot, being an assistant coach and everything, he and Kobe were kind of stringing Speedy Morris along. Here's the other thing. Jeremy Treatman was the radio play-by-play guy for the Explorers at the time. 
and he was tight with Joe Bryant. I mean, I saw your dad face-to-face on Speed Morrison's jumping out. Those of us who weren't really in the know thought that bond between Joe and Kobe might be enough to pull the kid to LaSalle. Our school might have a chance to get him. Our school might be the one that Dick Vitale was screaming and shouting about on ESPN. Our school would be in the spotlight for a change. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. That chance, however slim, made a certain high school basketball game in December of 1995 a huge event in Philadelphia, and particularly to everyone who followed LaSalle Hoops. The game was between Lower Marion and Roman Catholic. Larry Kentner had graduated, so Roman's best player was a guard named Donnie Carr. He and Kobe were friends. They'd played summer ball against each other for years. And Donnie was Speedy Morris's top recruiting target. He was just six foot three, but strong, could shoot from the outside, and had a great handle. The perfect LaSalle player. The game was at Drexel University, and Donnie and Kobe went toe to toe. That was the game that inspired me to write my first article about Kobe. There had been so much build up to it and so much reaction after it, and Kobe and Donnie had played so well that I felt I had to weigh in. I had a regular column for the Collegian back then. And here's a snippet of the one I wrote after the Lower Marion versus Roman Catholic game. Prepare yourself for some awful prose. Last Monday night, the prospective saviors of the LaSalle basketball program stood out in the center of Drexel's Physical Education Center, drew their Colt 45s, and blasted away at one another. Neither blinked. Kobe Bryant, Lower Marion's sleek and supple guard, scored 30 points, flying and floating through the heavy gymnasium air. Roman Catholic's Donnie Carr scored 34 points. The game was a victory for Roman, 67-61. The gunfighting duel, a draw. The future for Explorer basketball, should these young snipers choose to come here? Blinding. Yikes. That's some overwrought college paper garbage. But I was just one of several writers who read way too much into that game, who didn't really know what Kobe was thinking. And, as I would learn much later, what he was thinking was, I don't want to play for LaSalle. And I especially don't want to play for a coach who screams so much. As the season went on, I I really really began to dislike Speedy more because of the way he's coaching. 
couple of things he did. I don't even really like it. And I said, man, that, you know, it's, it's not on you. I really just don't like Coach Wonder. Like, I, I'm getting down on the spot. And so if I, if I did decide to go to college, I would not pick this out. I really want to pick it. Uh, you don't remember what you told me now? Uh, <laughs> no. I don't even remember. But I know my, I used to tell my mother that all the time. I don't know what the hell I'm Kobe was pretty emphatic there, and you have to put his thinking in the right context. The context of that time and the context of him. Back then, it was a pretty natural thing for a great high school basketball player to go play for a coach like Bobby Knight or John Chaney or Speedy Morris. A coach who would scream and yell and push his players to the breaking point. But Kobe was at the vanguard of a new generation of players, young men who knew how much power they had and knew that they could wield it. Kobe could choose any path he wanted, college, the NBA, whatever. He could do what was best for him. He just had to be bold enough to follow through on it. Kobe's future wasn't dependent on Speedy Morris. If anything, it was the other way around. And Speedy Morris's future wasn't exactly a high priority for Kobe. It got to the point that he started mocking the idea that he'd choose LaSalle. Remember the volleyball scholarship that Shea got? Well, Kobe's other sister, Sharia, already was a Division I player at Temple, another Big Five Philly school. And as Kobe told Jeremy Treatment, he had a lot more fun watching Sharia's matches than he did Shea's. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, too. A lot of fun. I enjoy watching volleyball games. It's fun. LaSalle... I like watching Timbo better than the South because the South team really stinks. And Shay knows that their, their team stinks. Wait, Shay, Shay, come here. Would you attest to the fact that the South volleyball team stinks? Except for you. Say, yeah. Only name you They stink. So Jeremy asked Kobe the logical question If you weren't going to LaSalle, where were you going? Right. So what are you going to check out there? I'm thinking about checking out North Carolina, Duke, Michigan, Arizona. You're going to go to all these places? Nah, I might. You might. I think I definitely would check out Arizona. What's, what's the try percentage? Change, you might change your mind. 10%? A little bit better, really. Okay, that's what I thought. <laughs> a little bit better, but you never know what happens. Right. You never say never. Right. You might go down there, have the best time of your life, uh, uh, enjoy the coach. Uh, know that Arizona is a spot for you. You say, hey, man, I'm going to Arizona. Let me take a week for a year or two. There's a couple schools that I like, like uh, North Carolina, but I'm going to pick them. I don't think I'll pick them because of the fact that Michael Jordan and the fact that not, not be able to have your own identity. So, right now, we do. There are a couple of really interesting insights into Kobe just from that clip. One. Even though he admired Michael Jordan and patterned his game after Michael Jordan, he didn't want to go to North Carolina because that's where Michael Jordan had gone to school. He wouldn't be his own man. He wouldn't have his own identity there. Two, he would have gone to Duke. That admission confirms what a lot of people were saying at the time and have said in the years since, that if Kobe went to college, he was going to play for Mike Krzyzewski. But here's what very few people knew at that time. 
all the lip service that Kobe was paying to the idea of going to college would turn out to be just that, lip service. There was no chance he was going to Duke, or North Carolina, or Michigan, or Arizona, or LaSalle. Looking back, all of us who were around back then can see that possibility of Kobe going to LaSalle for what it was. A flight of fancy for a prodigy with bigger dreams. A one in a million shot at glory for a struggling college program. A notion that captured our imaginations, but that turned out to be a pipe dream. But man, it was fun to dream. Even Carol Brigham, tucked away in the Connolly Library, about as far from the world of basketball as you could get, hoped Kobe would end up at LaSalle. Okay, I remember it all. I remember being so disappointed when decided not to come. Yeah, yeah. What you gonna do? He thought about it. He thought about it. Yeah, yeah. You met him? Yes, I met him a number of times. But once Kobe reached a certain point in his development as a player, he was never, ever going to do it. He had made himself stronger and smarter. He was adding muscle to his skinny frame. He had more experience now. He knew better how to counterpunch against just about any defense, how to compensate for any deficiencies in his game on a particular night. If his jumper wasn't falling, he'd drive. If an opponent played a zone, he'd bomb away from the outside. Heading into the summer between his junior and senior years of high school, the summer of 1995, Kobe had a plan and it did not involve saving the basketball program at my alma mater. It didn't involve college basketball at all. The plan was so wild and so forward-thinking, in fact, that even Jeremy Treatment couldn't see its full scope at the time. The summer of 1995 was going to be Kobe's springboard to the NBA. In the next episode, I'll tell you the story of that summer. The summer when Kobe Bryant truly became a superstar. And at one point, Stackhouse started fouling him hard. They almost got into it. They, you know, Stackhouse grabbed him, and we had to kind of break them, those two up. He was relentless because, like I said, for a guy in high school who's not even is going at the number one overall pick, it was kind of crazy. That's next week on I Am Kobe. I Am Kobe is a production of Diversion Podcasts in association with iHeartRadio. This season is written and hosted by me, Mike Sealski. It's produced by Jacob Bronstein and directed by Mark Francis. Story editing by Jacob Bronstein with editorial direction from Scott Waxman. Editing, mixing, and sound design by Mark Francis. Stephen Tompkins is our production assistant. Our theme music is Create Yourself by Grover Brown, featuring Justin Starling. Find Create Yourself wherever you stream music. Music supervisor is Scott Velasquez for Frisson Sync. Executive producers are Mark Francis and Scott Waxman. Join the conversation about I Am Kobe on social media. On Twitter and Instagram, it's at DiversionPods. Thanks to Oren Rosenbaum, Susan Canavan, and Jeremy Treatment. Hey, look, I 
rise before the sun They don't understand when I say the grind is fun Never clock out even when my work is done If they tryna block me, I might hurt someone Through the blood, sweat, and tears, we persevere Stay killing it, let it keep the hearses near If they don't believe in themselves, they revert to fear Now the champ is here, so I'm telling them That's my ambition The reason why my work's so damn different To the negatives, I can Listen, see me at the top, you can Listen I'ma mold the clay like cash is. See, I pay my dues plus taxes. Gotta work ethic and grind ahead of its time. If someone say that they made you, tell them you create yourself. On the bench, you finna watch us ball. It's about that time. You gotta stay clocked in, brick by brick. We create ourselves. Watch me, watch me, create myself. Shot clock, time's up. Create yourself. Nice, go hard, create yourself. Gotta learn from the great minds. No, we ain't lying. Tell them that it's game time. This talent wasn't given, it was made. The future, anytime I can change. Better tell them that I made it back home. As I walk through the halls of the fame, I came from the valley of the shadow of death. Waiting for a silver spoon, don't hold your breath. Same town, same dream, but I did it with less. I know who I'm meant to be, so there's nothing to guess. Yeah, there's nothing to guess. It's our time, tell them we up next We don't got any regrets I did it with my two hands and we never forget That's my ambition The reason why my work's so damn different To the negatives I can Listen, see me at the top, you can Listen, for real Rebuild, reshape Give it your all, you got to risk take Do it now and I'm saying why wait Someone say that they made you Tell them you create yourself oh, the best you finna watch Us ball It's about that time You gotta stay packed in Brick by brick We create ourselves Watch me Watch me Create myself Shot clock Time's up Create yourself Lay nice Go hard Create yourself Gotta learn from the great minds No, we ain't lying Tell them that it's game time Three six five. We don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Turns and conditions apply. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. 